The following podcast contains language that is not suitable for everybody. Hi, you're listening to Super Skull. My name is Nick Weibar. And I'm Aaron Polk. And we're here because we missed you. Yeah, we couldn't stay away. Hi. Hi, did you miss me? I missed you. How was your summer? I care about you. We're not talking to each other. We're talking to you, the listener. Yes, you, insert name. And we thought we would drop you with just a couple little reruns. Yeah, we we couldn't leave the entire month of August without something from Super Skull. That would be unacceptable. Some of you pay us for this. That would be so uncool to leave you with nothing. Yeah, so instead we're just going to give you something that you've already heard. So here's a little tidbit. This is just a little morsel of Super Skull. Hopefully it'll tide you over. We're going to, this week, revisit a review of the board game Wingspan, which recently won the Kenner Spiel de Jahres Award. The what? It is uh, a big award that's given out in Germany for, it's basically the biggest award that a game like Wingspan can win. Mm-hmm. Wingspan won it. That's pretty sweet. It's pretty sweet. And because they just, as of this recording, they won the award like a week ago or so, maybe two weeks ago. So it seemed cool to revisit it and also to revisit like one of the most substantive, longest, meatiest reviews that we've ever done of a board game. You know, the worst part about that episode is that I'm not on it. You're not on it. And as we continue to release these little tidbits over the next few weeks, uh, you might notice that Aaron is not on them because we're trying to reach back. A little bit. We want to like play some old stuff so that it's not so fresh in your mind. And Aaron is just always fresh and at the front of our minds. So it's going to be a lot that of... That is a very backhanded compliment, my friend. <laughs> yeah, so you're going to hear the voice of uh, Marcus Schwimmer, um, and it's still me and Curtis. The But, all, you know, but at a, Aaron's there at heart, I think. I'm there in the back. I'm, I'm somewhere. You're in the booth somewhere. I'm in the thoughts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's going to be it. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you're having a good summer. And uh, if you have a second, hey, if you have a second, maybe pop on an Apple podcast and leave us a review. Leave well, us five stars. Yeah. Or if you're on Stitcher or if you listen on Spotify, there are various ways to leave us reviews. But that helps us a lot uh, because that makes sure that other people get to listen to our stuff. Hey, no kidding. It really, really helps. If you have a second and you haven't done it before or even if you have done it before, it would be really, really cool for uh get a little review. And uh, please enjoy this summer rerun. rerun? I was going to say rewind and then rerun. At the same time. Rewind. Oh, the name of this episode is A Bird on a Horse. Please enjoy it regardless, and we'll see you back in a few weeks. Bye. Uh, Let's go into that board game corner, that sweet funky board game corner let me get on my horse and i'll meet you over there you're gonna just horse over there there he goes so first he's riding off into the sunset and you can hear his his, it's getting a little fainter as he kind of like moves off into the sunset goodbye curtis goodbye I'm hello, back. Hello, hey. Curtis. Ooh. Hello, welcome back. Hello. Oh, it's so good to see you. Are you guys in the board game corner? We are in the board game corner. Your horse can't play our brand new game because everybody knows horses are terrified of birds. All right, Tim, get out of here. Go. Horse's name is Tim. Go take a take five. All right, see you later, Tim. That's a handsome beast. We played a game called Wingspan, and 
this, we should say this is a proper review of a board game and full confession, we've never done that. <laughs> Not like this. Maybe for longtime listeners, you could call our, our talks about Kingdom Death, a game that we played 30 times a proper review. Yeah. Most of the time, to be totally frank, there's a lot of games coming out. And we have to play a lot of them for a lot of different reasons. Usually by the time we're talking about them on the podcast, we've played them once or twice. Yep. That's usually enough to get some initial thoughts, some like ideas of how the mechanics work or what we're excited about by it. But this one, we we sunk our teeth into these birds. We put it through all the paces that there are. Yeah. All the player numbers, all we, the we stuff. We plucked it down. We engrilled it. And I, I think we should talk about it since we, <laughs> oh. since we did all of okay, that. Okay, let's do it. So this is a game published by Stonemeyer. Stonemeyer Games, I believe, is yes. the, the proper title of this publisher. Yeah. What do we know Stonemeyer Games from? So they were founded way back in the year of 2012. Uh, it's just two folks. It's Jamie Stegmeyer and Alan Stone. And really now listed on their company profile, it's just their only full-time employee is Jamie Stegmeyer. Wow. So it's a small company, but they have produced some of the most legendary games of the last few years. So they did Viticulture first back in 2013. But they're probably best known for a game called Scythe. One of my favorite games of all time. It's a Kickstarter sensation. It was like $2 million on Kickstarter uh, in 2016. It's now been in, you know, through 10 printings. It's absolutely fabulous. It's got mm-hmm. a bunch of expansions and everything. Yeah, it's probably my most p- played board game in my board game library. Marcus, Seriously. do you like Scythe? I do like Scythe. I'm a little sick of you dudes always just hitting me up, not wanting to actually hang out. Just like, oh, you know, we're short one dude for Scythe. Come on over, yeah. like hey, you know, calling up the the backbench here. You're such a good scythe player. I though. appreciate that. Thank you. Yes, I love scythe, and um, it is it is just a, a masterpiece of a board game. I agree. So anytime they put out a game, we're really excited. Charterstone was a legacy game they did last year, and now we've got well the forthcoming. Uh, I think another next week we get comes out on March eighth. March eighth. Yeah, wingspan. Wingspan. And we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Jamie Stegmeyer a little bit. We just have to. And he is—he stands head and shoulders above any other game publisher in the industry. I'm very confident saying that. I'm just, I, I, yeah, I agree with you 100%. I'm a huge fanboy for this guy. I think he just rocks it. He talks to retailers. He talks to distributors. He talks to fans about not only games, but the game industry at large. And, and how to do the thing that he's doing. This dude puts out so much, like, essays and videos about, like, game design and about the game industry, the business of making games. He's super transparent about how he, like, is approaching his business and about, like, he sends out this, these emails every month that just says, like, what stage in the process all of his upcoming games are at, from all the way from initial design up to printing and production and, like, all of the 10 stages in between. I've never seen a game publisher that is so thoughtful about how to talk to, I mean, it's because my experience with them is as a retailer, and usually publishers are a black box, like we're lucky to get a demo out of them. And I've never emailed this dude for any reason where he didn't get back to me within 10 minutes with a thoughtful answer to whatever we have on our mind. He is very, very good at running a game publisher. I think he's, he's good for the industry. More publishers should take note. Yeah, he does these great videos. My favorite board game co- mechanic, right? Mm-hmm. You seen these ones? Yeah. So and he and he, he's so cool because he's talking about everybody's games. He's talking about the whole game industry. What's his favorite stuff? So he's not just you know selling you. He's not telling you Scythe is so cool and here's why. Yeah. He's talking about 
all the ga- you know all the cool games in in the board game hobby. Yep, it's awesome, man. He's like a champion for board games and, and the hobby of board games. And that is, it turns out, until he came along, you didn't realize how rare that was in right. a board game publisher. So, Jamie Stegmeyer, check him out. So, let's talk about Wingspan. We got an advanced copy of this game. We've been playing it. We've put it through the paces. Uh, who made this game? So it's designed by Elizabeth Hardgrave, who only has one other game. It's called Tussie Mussy. It's a card game based on a Victorian fad that assigns meanings to the flowers that friends and lovers exchange. I love that. I love right? that, yeah. So it looks like a little 18 card, very quick. Somebody separates, other people pick. You know, point-based, a very fast card game. Looks really neat with great art, flower uh, arts on the cards. Looks really nice. Uh, so it's just one designer on this game. And then the art team is Ana Maria Martinez, Jaramillo, Natalia Rojas, and Beth Sobel. These uh, ladies have cooked up some beautiful, beautiful art. This game is a stunner, right? Please check out their Instagrams uh, and websites. There's just more beautiful art. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got an all-lady dev team here? It is. Yes, 100%. That's, yes. Right, dig it. Dig yeah. it. Talk to me about this game. How's it look? How'd they do, Man, Marcus? It's beautiful. Um, as, as much as Curtis is uh, a fan of, of the equestrian world, I love birds and have loved birds my entire life. So this game is stunning. Not only is the art on the cards beautiful, but all the pieces are great. So this game has 170 unique bird cards. Each one comes with a little illustration of the bird and has a, maybe my favorite part of the whole game, has a little bird fact on the bottom. little bird fact. Do you remember any of them? I remember so many of them. What was your, get, hit me with the one that stuck. Um, the osprey, large bird of prey. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time it dives for a fish, uh, one in four, it'll get a fish. It's that efficient at, at catching fish out of water. Is that good? That's amazing. One in four? Every time I try to flip a hamburger, I got a one in four chance of getting it back (laughs) in the pan. This thing is flying, seeing something underwater and able to- That is is amazing. That's good, good. yeah. Yeah. Um, It also has 103 little food tokens, and maybe maybe my second favorite part is it has these little pastel-colored wooden eggs Mm -hmm. that you use. I think it's a beautiful little detail because those wooden eggs could have very easily been- a token, a little mm-hmm. cardboard token. But, you know, they're these little three-dimensional models and you put them all around and it makes the board look beautiful because everyone's got these different colored eggs all spread around their boards. The presentation of this game is spectacular. All of it. The game box itself is like this cloth material, it yeah. feels like. The rule book itself is some weird stock that feels woven. Yep. Well, in the bird feeder... The little birdhouse. You set up this little, this is a thing, this is essentially a little dice tower to randomize your dice rolls, but it's a little birdhouse. And you, yeah, it's, it's, nice. it's ingenious. Yeah. Right? How many games do you play where you have to roll dice, but none of them come with a themed dice tower? You know, it, it makes the whole thing, when you're playing with two people, five people, whatever, when you lay it all out, it has just this beautiful aesthetic. It makes the table beautiful. In a really, really great way. I agree. Just as an artifact of like, of a beautiful thing to have in your home. I know that kind of sounds silly, but it is just, it's, he, this team, the entire team, I say Jamie Stegmeyer, but obviously all of these developers had a, had a hand in it. From the art itself to the components, there's a little diagram on the box 
that describes exactly how this pretty big, bulky game yes. will fit exactly smoothly like back in the box when you're done with it. There is so much care that went into this game that really all of these Stonemeyer games have, but this is the pinnacle of it. Well, you I can think. just tell. It's like the, the next iteration in what they're doing, right? It's yes. just they're learning and getting better. Yes. And the yep. price of this game is what? 50 bucks? 54.99. 54.99 for easily one of the prettiest games I've ever seen in 10 years of selling board games. No, I agree. And it strikes that right balance. It's not overproduced. It's, you know, there's some I don't want to say fancy components, but they they give you nice components yep. and you're getting good value, right? Like Marcus says, you could have little cardboard things and and shave 5 bucks off the retail right. price, but I I wouldn't want that. Well, and the cards feel like And this is kind of a a minor detail maybe to some people, but for those of us that play a ton of board games, when you pick up a card and it's got a little texture to it and it's just a thicker cardboard, that stuff ends up mattering for people who play a lot of board games. That card's not going to bend. It's not going to crease. It's going to display nicely. And when we look at the medium has to evolve. We have to get better or else what's the point? And it's stuff like this that shows that people are thinking about what kind of cardboard to make these cards out of. And that, to me, is really important. They're putting the extra bit in. There's one of these... There are games that come out every once in a while that make you notice how shitty the components in so many other games are. Like, this is... There is less of an excuse now that Wingspan exists to make shitty games. Agreed. And that's cool. I love that. So what's up with this game? What's up with the the gameplay of this game? This is a card-driven, engine-building game about... Birds. You're an ornithologist. You are collecting birds. This is the this is the premise of Wingspan. It so, hovers. Sorry, please. I was gonna say ornithologist. That's somebody who just views birds. I think it's like a bird enthusiast, dude. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Bird on a horse. Oh. Riding a horse, not just like perched on a horse. But I see. Ri- like a big ass man sized like bird. To scale. Riding a horse. Just don't answer me. Just think about it. <laughs> so the game hovers around. Hovers. Flo- uh, yeah. flies gently Flutters. like a hummingbird it, uh, around this massive deck of cards. And it, like Marcus was saying, it's 170 cards. Each one features a uh, North American bird species with some attributes. That card might note the bird and its special ability, how many eggs it can hold on to, how much it costs to play this bird in the form of food. So some birds only want worms and some birds want a worm and a Berry. And a berry, for well, instance. And it, sh- it has its wingspan. It has its wingspan. Which Obs. seems trivial, but it's a mechanic in the game. And sometimes it matters. And sometimes that matters. It also has the points that the birds are worth, the habitat that they can go in, and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of information that's pretty eloquently uh, you know, displayed on, this, uh, on these little cards. Each player has a personal board. And it's got three rows on it, and each row corresponds to a different habitat. You got the trees, you got the grass, you got the water. In the trees, all of these different rows, for instance, they all correspond to an action that you can take in the game, right? Right. The trees corresponds with getting food. You need food to play birds. In the grass, it corresponds with that entire row corresponds with getting eggs, which you need to play birds. In the water... You have to draw bird cards. This is an action associated with drawing bird cards, which you need in order to play birds. To play birds. Yeah. <laughs> Everything builds on itself. All of the actions that you can take in the game are all in an effort to get more bird cards out of your hand and onto the table where they do stuff. 
once you put the birds onto one of those rows, now let's just say I got a bird, I finally got enough food and eggs and stuff, and I put them in the grassland row, which is associated with getting eggs. Now, every time I get eggs, I get to do the little thing that's on that card yes. that's now in the grasslands every single time I take eggs. And then if I put three cards in that row, then every time I take eggs, I get to do three cool things. And now all of a sudden I have this thing that is an engine that's building me more and more stuff that I need. Every time I take a simple action, my action is increasingly complex because of these birds that I'm playing in order to play more birds. Yes, and it improves that base action too, which is what I really, really like. You'll like Initially, you'll only be able to get one egg. Yep. But it's two, three, four eggs, and you get to do activate all these cool abilities. Yep, that's really cool. And it all cycles around itself because you're all you're trying to get all of this stuff so that you can play more birds, so that you can play more stuff. And you're doing this all to get points, and you get points for accomplishing specific goals that get randomized at the beginning of the game, like get the most birds in the tree habitat this round, or have an egg in each row, or whatever. Have a big wingspan. It doesn't matter. They get randomized every game. It's not the same every time. And then the birds themselves have points on them. This is what you're using your engine to accomplish over the course of the game. Did I miss any beats? Does that sound no, like, wing- yeah, it sounds that sound exactly like the right. wingspan you guys played? Yeah, 100%. totally. Mm-hmm. So what, what did you guys enjoy? What did you enjoy the most while you are playing this game, Marcus? I mean, the bird facts... I cannot state enough how much I enjoyed the little bird facts. And it's not, the reason I enjoyed is this game, if you're playing with a lot of people, there can be a little bit of a pause from the time you take your turn to the time you're going to take your turn again. There's a lot to do. Mm -hmm. And people are, you know, trying to figure out how to achieve these goals. And weirdly enough, those little bird facts give you something to do. It's kind of an ingenious little way to fill the time. Mm -hmm. I don't, did it annoy you guys? That And I'm not trying to be funny. Did it annoy you that I insisted that everyone read their bird facts when they played a bird? I thought it was pretty cute. So I've implemented that rule for every single game that I've played. I love it. I think it's great. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, engine building games, traditionally, mm-hmm. are not great games to bring to a table with people who are not hardcore board games players or people who are willing to sit down for a while and really invest in the rules. I think what Wingspan does really well is it brings engine builders to people who maybe are casual board game players. And that's why. So that's because the building of an engine means that you understand why you're building an engine. Right. And if you don't understand the point of what you're trying to do pretty fluently, then you're just playing cards. And then you don't get to see an actual engine getting built. You just have a bunch of cards that are sitting in front of you. Right. Is that what you mean when you say that it's not always accessible to non-game players? Sure. And I would say traditionally there are the games that fall under that engine building category are big Euro rulebook games. At least they were for a while. Yeah. And right? that's changing, but yes. And it is changing. But Wingspan... Because these, you only have three categories, so really you're only building three engines, right? And, and each engine is to do a specific thing. Get more cards, make more eggs, get more food, right? So they're very easy concepts to grasp. Mm-hmm. And so I think this game is accessible to casual board game players, but also introduces them to engine building, which I think is really, really cool. I do have a gripe. Well, let's. I want to okay, save it for your right, final right, judgment. All right, all right. But is there anything mm-hmm. else that you really enjoyed while you were playing this game? I just, honestly, it's it's very rare that a board game is so beautiful that it adds to the board game experience for mm-hmm. me. And uh, this game is so darn stunning that I just enjoyed sitting around the table with all of you and just seeing everything visually. Yeah. It is such a pleasing game to see. But for mechanics, for me, I think it is just a solid engine builder, and it bridges the gap 
to casual board game players with how good that engine building is and how simple it is to explain. Yeah. The best part of the, the best part of the game to me was like that when you would get a turn where it all paid off. Like you have you finally activate the one row with a bunch of birds oh, in yeah. it. And you get to do a bunch of sweet stuff that you've been waiting a long time to do. And you know because you did that that your next three turns, like you're gonna have you're gonna be able to do more interesting things. I mean, I'm describing what a successful engine builder does, and that was the most satisfying part of Wingspan is when that like that turn finally came together. Yep. And I do appreciate I do see what you're saying, Marcus. I do appreciate that you're able to get there without really having to burn your brain on it. Right. too hard. I think that is valuable. No, and that's... Uh, so I taught this game to 15 different people, and overwhelmingly most of them do not play engine-building-style games and don't really play any... I mean, they play some very, very casual stuff. And it was so easy to teach and so easy for folks to grasp because there's three habitats, but there's only four actions, mm-hmm. you know? And after you show people a couple of cards and kind of give them an idea of, you know, you're getting more of this thing, that thing, or this thing... You know, and here's why you might want to put them there. I mean, we were up and playing this game. I mean, with we'd be we'd get five player games going in twenty minutes. Yeah, with four people being first time players, that is cool. That has value. Yep. And um, but that's not to say that this isn't a, a still a fairly meaty game in a way. I think it's still there's some meat on those bones, even though it's so accessible. I agree with you. Another thing that I really liked about it, and that adds to that let's bring casual gamers to this game is that you're all trying to win, right? It is not a cooperative game, but it's pretty hard to do things to like really mess someone up, right? You can take like little mini aggressive actions at people, but it's very hard to do something that's going to totally mess someone's game up. Mm -hmm. And I think that also lends itself. You can be a little aggressive, but you can't just go and like mess someone's entire game up. And with some engine builders, that's kind of the point. Sure. Is to like get to a point where I can mess up your engine. You got to start from scratch. It's not part of this game, and I like that. Curtis and I played it's pretty this, frictionless. It's pretty mm-hmm. frictionless. And yeah. We we had a chance. Curtis and I did to play a two player version at a bar, and it was nice. We just sat down. We were doing our things. We could kind of poke at each other. But at the end of the day, you can drink a beer, play this game, talk about other stuff, and just enjoy the experience. And again, just with some engine builders, you're just burning your brain trying to figure sure, it sure, out. Sure, sure. So so I let's move on. To our final judgments for mm, Wingspan. Mm-hmm. So I loved this game tremendously the first time that I played it, and I was less enamored with it every subsequent time that I played. I got, and I've maybe you know gotten it to the table six times now, say. So it is delicious to behold, and I can't stress that enough. We're talking about my final assessment of this game. Like it is beautiful. It turns out, I think to actually have a little less meat on the bones than I think first meets the eye, or at least is first revealed by like this glorious display of the 170 cards and all these different ways that can interact. I love Wingspan as a two-player game, like what you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. I uh, think that it works so well with two players. It's breezy. It's just meaty enough. It's maybe a little cumbersome for how long it takes for you know with the just the number of rules for like a like a quick two-player game. But it's very very satisfying, and I thought it sung with two players yeah there are more turns in wingspan than i would like that involve doing something kind of simple and boring like taking one egg or taking one piece of food and with two people that's not a big deal because it's going to be your turn in a second yes and i can just take another egg but i can't 
play the whole game revolves around playing cards and sometimes i can't take any i can't play any cards which make the game more interesting unless i get that one piece of food or that one egg which means i might have to take two or three turns doing nothing else except taking one simple item okay turn complete all right i'm gonna wait for three more people to take their turn and then take one more egg this I, I can't really progress in that and there's nothing else i can do literally there's you don't have other options you didn't fail right it's not like you were playing not optimally like you just can't play a bird sure and that feels kind of lame especially in the late game hmm and because there are so many cards your game changes drastically based on what's available but that's okay that's the type of game this is right the it's the, the this is a game where you have almost 200 cards and you're going to see maybe a tenth of them over the course of the game right and for a game like this to work that tenth that you happen to see has to have ways to interact in interesting ways or you need to be able to force them to interact in interesting ways and after like six plays of this game i never i maybe saw that a couple of times and i feel like you should see it every single game in order for it to work does that make sense? It it does. So more or less, I, I felt like there, I never had... There were not enough times in the game for games that could be pretty long with four players that I felt like I had really interesting choices to make. I kind of just had to make the best of what was sitting in front of me. And really big games with like a lot of cards like this game has, they work really well when there's always something interesting to do no matter what's happening at any point in the game. And there were too many times in Wingspan where it felt like well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna make the best of this kind of boring situation. For sure, no, it'll happen. Yep. What did you think, Curtis? So I'm right there with you. So this game reminds me a lot of, in a weird way, terraforming Mars. Sure. And I'm just gonna throw that out there. It, it, this, you know, not to sound like gobbledygook, but it's another game with a giant deck of cards. I mean, a couple hundred cards, and you are drawing cards every turn, and that's what you're gonna do that round. Whatever you draw randomly from this huge deck is gonna determine your fate. Yeah. And 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 that, there's lots of games like this. There is. And and I didn't like it at first. I'm not going to lie. The first couple times I played Terraforming Mars, it took me a minute. I did not like this. But just like in that game, this game forces you to do different stuff. And mm -hmm. you have to adapt. And I've watched players do it. So I've watched like players go like with an egg strategy, right? So they're just not getting enough cards in that third and fourth round. And they go eggs. And they end up, you know, because eggs score you a point at the end of the game, right? And go... You know, I watched a player get 34 eggs in the last two rounds. Mm -hmm. And they didn't, you know, they're not necessarily what they were probably going for initially, right? No, but it just yeah. kind of worked out that way, and that's the card you got. But I, you know, I hear your point. There's definitely, I'm taking some boring turns in this game. Mm -hmm. And if you can't get something going early in that first or second round. You really pay for it. You and really, that's kind of on you. Yep. But it does speak to accessibility yep. to, a certain, to a certain extent. Because if you didn't know what you're doing and you fucked it up early on, and you're just taking one egg in the last round of the game because there's literally nothing else to do. It feels kind of lame. I see. I never experienced that. Um, well, you're also a better board game player than me. I don't think that's true. It's not that I didn't experience the taking one egg at a, as a as a turn. Mm -hmm. I just didn't find it particularly boring. Just didn't take it away anything away. It from didn't it. take okay. anything away from it for me. Not at all. No, and and. So I really, to reiterate too, I really, really like this game a lot, and I'm going to bust it out a, a ton more. Um, the two-player game, I think, really shines. It's mm -hmm. super fast. Three players is really nice. Five is pretty long in an intense game for 
kind of the weight of the game, five might be too many, mm-hmm. right? But I, if I have one kind of major complaint is I don't know how I'm going to get better at this game. Sure. I haven't figured that out yet. Across six or seven games, I was averaging 70 to 80 points every single game. Yeah. And I didn't feel like I was— And that's was, from your first game. This is from my first game. And I didn't feel like I was getting sweet at wingspan. Yeah. You know? And and maybe that doesn't happen. And maybe that's okay because the game is did turn out to be fairly balanced. I never had a game where somebody was this runaway 20-point dominant player. Mm-hmm. You know, every game is within five points. So it, it it is balanced in that way, right? The 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 scores are tight across all player counts. And that that says a lot. That, that does. says a lot about the design yep. of the game that mm-hmm. it that it can hold up to that. That's not nothing. No, but again, you know, I think you guys will agree when you play games, you know, your fourth or fifth game in, you're like you're starting to feel like, all right, I can, I can, I'm pretty good at this. Mm-hmm. Or you, you know? want to with a lot of games, you want to feel like there is a there is the ability to get better at yes. it. Although maybe that's not a fair thing to put on this game. Maybe it's just not that kind of game. Exactly. And that's kind of where where my mind is at. And I think I I really enjoy this game because I think that it fills a gap in my board game collection. And that game that I'm looking for that I think Wingspan just shines in is sometimes I have people over at my house and I want to play a board game or they want to play a board game. And they're not interested in learning uh, some of these bigger games that I like to play, especially with you guys. Mm-hmm. And, this, and maybe they don't want to play a party game. Yeah, maybe. And I hate most party games. Sure. It's just not something I enjoy. And Wingspan is accessible, and even if it's even if I'm only doing one thing a turn, I can talk to people, and people can talk to me, and it can be a social game without being a party game, and that's a that's a beautiful beautiful thing. Um, I I thought that this game hit so many great marks. Um, it it flows well. And I don't need to be thinking about long-term strategy in every single board game I play. Sure. I can play a game and just kind of play it turn by turn. Right. And I like it when I can have that kind of diversity in in my thing. I think the theme of this game is, at first I thought it was the lamest thing in the world. Like, oh, it's birds, you know? And I like birds. Mm -hmm. But it's great because it builds onto that foundation of accessibility. I can play this game with my parents. I can play this game with my friends. I can play this game with younger people. And it just works. It's not something as, as um, alienating as medieval fantasy or space. It's just something that everyone is really familiar with. And that, I think, makes it very comfortable to bring to the table. Um, I enjoy this game as a two-player game for kind of a little quicker action. Mm-hmm. Curtis and I played a game in probably... 45 minutes and just had a nice time talking while we were doing it. I also like this game as a bigger party game because if I have a little bit of time in between my turn, it's not so serious and so complex that I need to be thinking about. You can bullshit a little bit. I can bullshit a little bit. I can have a beer. I can chit chat. I like to have games like that. Yeah. It doesn't need to be this serious mental, you know, thing. And I don't think the game is designed to be that style of game. Yeah, I fair. think it's a little bit more of a casual game. And the it's issue- tough to say that a game with 170 cards with 170 variable cult yeah. powers is a casual game. But maybe that's where we're getting to. Maybe we've grown past Sorry and Scrabble. You know, and you think we have? I hope so. <laughs> I mean, just just to think about board games in the last yeah, clearly decade, we have. You know, we've yeah, we have, but. This is the next level of kind of those great little 
casual tabletop games. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, um, I see what you're saying. Maybe entry-level games have, have taken another yeah, little notch forward in complexity and, yeah, I, and stuff. Yeah. And I will say the one thing that I hope they do, because I, I cannot stress this enough, I loved the art. I mean, some of the art on these cards rivals bird guide books that I have. I mean, it's amazing, and it's got great effects. I hope they come out with stuff that has... Birds from other areas of the world. That I think that evident. Would be... Yeah, they, because they limited it so specifically to one continent, that yeah. seems pretty evident that if it does well, then we're going to see birds from more areas. I would hope yeah, so. And sure. I, I think mixing that together would create another, just add to this layer. I think this game deserves to be on people's board game collection shelves. Word. So I think, we're, we're, this is not a negative review of this game for me, by the way. I, I really liked hanging yeah, yeah. out with this game. I just, you know, I was I, I was a little surprised over subsequent plays, kind of how I felt about it from the first game to the last game that I played. But I liked hanging out with this game. That's how, that's how I'm thinking about it. Mm-hmm. It's a cool game to hang out with. <laughs> it is. And I think Marcus makes a good point. Uh, yeah, it's you can bust it out, and, and it's a little more casual. At the same time, having some depth. I like that. Yeah. So. That's Wingspan. That is Wingspan from Stonemaier Games. Comes out on March 8th. It's $54.99 from Stonemaier Games. Wingspan. Did I say all the things? I you think did. you did. $54.99. Yeah. Wingspan. Hey, we're going to post some links to uh, the artists' uh, Instagrams and websites in the show notes. Let's do that. Because you guys should take a look. The art is stunning. And without all the copy, you yeah. know, just like the beautiful art without all the, the text and Stands shit. Stands on its own. Very, very nice. Mm-hmm.